the World Nomads podcast bonus episode. Hear amazing nomads sharing their knowledge, stories and experience of world travel. Hi, and in this episode, we are speaking with environmentalist Dr. Bob Brown. He's written a book with the support of his partner, Paul, called Green Nomads Wild Places. And it's visiting uh, some of the beautiful places of South and Western Australia. Uh, Look, a little bit about uh, Bob Brown. He's very famous in Australia, but for our global audience, he's a former medical doctor and then a very outspoken and successful environmentalist. And then later he became a politician from which he is now resigned. Uh, He successfully campaigned for a large increase in the protected wilderness area of the Australian state of Tasmania. And he reached international notoriety when he was suspended from the Australian Parliament for interjecting (laughs) during an address by US President George W. Bush. Yeah, Bob had been campaigning at the time to have two Australian nationals held at the US base in Guantanamo Bay return to Australia. And while Bush was talking about the end of Saddam Hussein's uh, regime, seems like years ago that, wasn't it, in in Iraq, Bob interrupted by saying, if you respect the world's laws, the world will respect you. So this... Phil is a man who's not afraid to fight for what he believes in. No, wonderfully inspiring man. He really has been. So that's a snapshot of Bob. Now to the interview. The book Green Nomads, Wild Places came out about after he took a trip on the Sea Shepherd, uh, the MV Steve Irwin Sea Shepherd boat, to study the Great Australian Bight, which had been earmarked for deep sea drilling for oil and gas. Now that ship, which is part of the world's leading direct action ocean conservation organisation, that's a mouthful. So that <laughs> had just been retired at the time that we spoke with Bob. So we kicked off by asking him, how did he feel about that? Well, I'm very sad about the ship, but uh, it's it's uh, a, a happy sadness because that ship and its gallant sea ship and Australia cruise saved uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of whales in the Antarctic uh, where the Japanese were and still are illegally harpooning Australian minke whales and, and others. So, and then it, then, uh, it took us up the Kimberley coast to uh, help with the campaign there against the, one of the world's biggest gas factories right in the middle of Aboriginal land and, uh, and a whale, the biggest humpback whale nursery uh, in the world. And it also took us to the Great Australian Bight where we saw uh, these magnificent wildlife Colonies, whole, you know, seals, um, many species of dolphins, whales, under the Bunda Cliffs. There, we had an elder uh, of the local Aboriginal people there with us, and he had a picture of his grandfathers who were whale warriors. They sang to the whales, and so, and and this is all threatened by drilling in the Great Australian Bight by the Norwegian company Equinor. So the campaign goes on about that, but I came home to Paul full of stories about it, and as a result. We set off to go right around the west coast of Tasmania, up the uh, South Australian coast and around into Western Australia last year, and this book's a result of that. Well, just if we can go back in your career, you're a medical doctor and you practised not only in Australia but also in the UK. At which point did you transition into becoming this champion for the earth? Well, yes, I was a young doctor in Launceston. I got asked to go down the Franklin River by a guy that couldn't find anybody else who was silly enough to do that in 1986. <laughs> and I was, I was just transformed. It seemed to me as a doctor where half the people coming into my office were suffering from anxiety or stomach ulcers or 
blood pressure, you know, the whole range of diseases due to anxiety of modern living. Uh, it was madness to be destroying the biggest repository for allaying that anxiety and, and relaxing us, which is nature. That's why we all like to see Attenborough and want our children to be watching Attenborough on TV. And we put pictures of nature, not bulldozers and chainsaws, on our walls. And uh, to destroy that, to produce more electricity, to produce more um, drug factories, seemed to me a, a stupid thing to do. And as a result, the Franklin, uh, with thousands of people involved in that campaign, right across this country and beyond, is flowing free and bringing great delight to people all around, from all around the world. So you um, met Paul in 1996, and Paul, you were um, a Greens councillor on the Huon Valley Council, is that correct, at the time? Uh, no, I met Bob before I got on to Huon Valley Council, but uh, at the time I was helping to helping his campaign for his election to the Senate the first, for his first term there. So your ideals clearly matched? Yes, I had an aunt who was a keen bushwalker, so she introduced me to bushwalking as a young kid and took me into Lake Pedder, of all places, which I'm eternally grateful for. Can I just say, this is a... We've got a global audience for this, and the majority of the audience is in the United States. And can I just implore people there to consider when they come to Australia that they go down to Tasmania as well because places like the Franklin and Lake Pedder are just unbelievable. They're just out of this world, aren't they? Well, they are, although Lake Pedder was flooded um, by a hydro scheme and it was the uproar about that in the 1970s that led to the Franklin being saved, but not until 1,500 people have been arrested and 500 jailed for peacefully blockading the bulldozers in the rainforests in 1983 and the High Court decision, new federal government, uh, the Hawke government was elected in 1983 opposed to the dam and millions of Australians were waiting for an opportunity to vote that way and uh, when they did there was a high court case between the state government and the federal government the federal government won and instead of the dam destroying the river it became world heritage so it was a really a mass action uh, delight by australians in this tasmanian wilderness and i, I should just add here that paul and i've just walked done what's called the Wukalina Walk, W-U-K-U-L-I-N-A, in northeast Tasmania with Aboriginal people. And three nights, uh, you know, really glamping because uh, marvellous accommodation and uh, great food, including Aboriginal items and introduction to Aboriginal culture. And then uh, finishing with a 17-kilometre walk down white sandy beaches, deserted beaches except for the shorebirds, which are hatching their young at this time of year. Just a fabulous thing which very few other places on earth can offer. Is that Bay of Fires, Bob? It is. Beautiful. That's right. Yeah. Up at Larapuna, which is the old Ediston light, Lighthouse and it's a very, very lovely accommodation there. So we're really indebted to the Tasmanian Aboriginal community, which, of course, took a major role way back in protecting the Franklin River. Okay, so you mentioned that you you were inspired by that trip on the MV Steve Irwin. You went back, you talked to Paul, um, and this inspired you for the Green Nomads, the Wild Places book that um, we're spruiking. Um, how did it work? I mean, I know, Bob, you've been an author uh, previously. You've published Lake Petter Earth, Optimism and Green Nomads. What was your part in that, Paul, in this particular um, publication? 
Well, Bob was the photographer. Uh, I was left to do the camping chores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's good work. Well done. <laughs> that, that, that's Putting, blowing up mattresses, cooking dinner, all that sort of thing. So but Paul's a very good, very, Paul's a very good hand with the camp oven, which, by the way, is an Australian invention going back a century, an outback invention for cooking in the outback, and uh, it delivers a very nice roast. And oh. we, at that time of year, because we were travelling in the Australian winter, which is very mild, but uh, just a, a frost on a few nights, that's all, and uh, the, the places we travelled to were largely deserted. So I did do my share of the chores, I have to put it in. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 sure you did. Yeah, thousands believe you, Bob. A Olympus OMD camera, it's not, it's a, it's just a basic camera with everybody's reach and, and went walking and... Uh, well, the photos are beautiful. The photos are absolutely stunning. So, so what is it? I mean, you say it's a pretty basic camera. Do you, I mean, you've obviously you've taken photographs for a very long time, but you know, do you think you've got the eye, as they say, or yeah. have you practiced at it? No, I've always had the eye for nature, and like there's a, there's a picture in there of a swan, black swans in the southern hemisphere, of course, doing a dance on the beach. But that didn't just happen. I was there for an hour and a half on my belly. I might add, while Paul was back cooking, cooking. dinner. Cooking a very nice roast. <laughs> well done, Paul. As the sun went down, you can see that storm in the background. And and swans mate for life. And when they lose their mate, they stay single. And there's this beautiful single swan, and, and she does this dance just for five seconds. And so glad I waited and captured that as uh, with the setting, well, the orange coloured clouds from the setting sun behind and that was on the beach of Kangaroo Island, this magnificent, beautiful place in the Great Australian Bight of South Australia, which would be completely clobbered by an oil spill if oil drilling went ahead. Uh, And the company's own maps show that if it was like that BP oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico in 2009, it would surround that island and Tasmania and the Great Australian Bight. So... Um, it was really worth seeing how beautiful the place is to, because of and, and this is why we do the book because we like to share it with other people so that they can see what's at stake too. I know. And there's, it, there's plenty. Beautiful photos. Can I, uh, can I ask this question though? I mean like sitting, lying on your belly for an hour, as you say, with a rainstorm impending, with the smell of a roast wafting over you from behind. <laughs> uh, but um, is that... I mean, the patience that's involved in that, do you think that's been a part of your success as a politician as well, that you've been patient and you've been waiting for, you know, people's attitudes to catch up with what you're saying? Well, there's a, a, a great patience required in enjoying nature. Uh, it does settle you down. It does allow you time to think and to reflect. And there's always something going on, always. I never use a tripod because I'm I'm there on my, uh, on this occasion, on my elbows and moving around uh, and watching out of one eye what's going on with the other eye, uh, focusing on potentially taking a picture. But, yes, it does require great patience. On the other hand, there's great urgency. Uh, you know, our world is in a spiral dive down as far as it's living environment's concerned we're already consuming the biggest herd of mammals ever on the face of the planet eight billion of us consuming 170 percent 
imagine that, 170% of the living resources. That's why there's less forests and less uh, fisheries, uh, less arable land, less species, uh, and so on, every morning. And we need to urgently reconsider what we're doing on this planet or it's going to catch up with us. So it's a labour of love here, love for the future of the planet and, and for people on it as well as our fellow species. Well, you're campaigning for the Tarkine at the moment, and I must say, as a Tasmanian, I do worry, Bob, about the who's in the wings. What What's it looking like there on the ground with the youth and uh, the attitude toward the world? Well, the youth are fabulous. We just saw thousands of them on a so-called strike, really. They were just leaving school for the afternoon to campaign right across the country, and the Prime Minister came out criticising them. It didn't matter. They won the day campaigning for a safer world against global heating uh, and uh, Australia's position as the world's biggest exporter of coal, etc. But um, that aside, it's places like the Tarkine, which is the largest unprotected wilderness in southern Australia, and it's in the northwest coast of Tasmania, the heart-sized, shaped island just south of Australia where uh, Paul and I lived. And Paul's uh, ancestry goes back to uh, the 1830s there. And, and love of land is very, very important. And keeping spaces like that for the even bigger numbers of people in the future so there is place to go back and see where we all come from is incredibly important. Well, you're lucky that you both get to go back to Randalls Bay, which just, Phil, is a stunning part of southern Tasmania. And... Um, you can sit there reading a book by the fire while Paul cooks your dinner, Paul. Yeah, I was going to <laughs> – Paul, can I ask you, how do you feel about doing another book, mate? <laughs> uh, well, it, it does have its rewards, I have to yeah. say. Well, you're on a bit of a tour of the country at the moment, um, spruiking the book, which is absolutely beautiful, Green Nomads, Wild Places, Bob Brown and Paul Thomas. Thanks for chatting to us. Oh, lovely. Thanks, Thank you. you. Thanks, Phil. We will share some links to Bob and his foundation, Action for Earth, in show notes. Got a suggestion for an amazing nomad, which we recently did receive one. Thanks, Paige. And we're following up on her idea. But if you've got one, you can email us at podcast at worldnomads.com. Now, you can download the episode from iTunes. Please subscribe and rate or the Google Podcast app, or you can ask Alexa and Google Home to play the World Nomads podcast. Next week, Phil? We are visiting the Baltics. Amazing nomads. The inspired.